Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 21. My next guest is Emily Nader. Emily quit amphetamines and has been clean for about three and a half years. She's also come a long way with nicotine. Emily had addiction to over-the-counter drugs like NyQuil, ZQuil, and melatonin. She also, however, refused to start taking antidepressants. Emily has also been working on understanding her relationship with alcohol and has dealt with secondhand withdrawal from other prescription drugs. Emily also has been addicted to games where it consumed all of her time, where she got nothing done. Emily has since overcome these things and has become a holistic strength and conditioning coach. Take a listen. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to have you here. So let's get started. I was just curious about what did addiction look like in your life? Um, addiction is, I feel like addiction is still present in my life, um, in many ways. And I've, I've recognized it at a young age. Um, but I guess there's ways that I've learned to kind of handle it and understanding myself better. Um, but I guess previously and specifically with um, prescriptions, I've felt almost like a reliance on medications that I was prescribed um, and not at a super young age for those, but for a while I was kind of, I felt stuck on um, taking uh, the ADHD medication. And, um, it felt like, um, it was hard to understand if I could do life without them. So it felt like an addiction in that sense, um, I guess. And also just going through a phase of um, abusing it in a way that it wasn't meant for. What messages did you get to have that belief that you would be needing this for the rest of your life? Um, I, I understood how my life looked before I got on them. Mm-hmm. And then when I was on them for a while, life was better almost. Like it felt like, wow, this is what I'm capable of doing. This is what I can do, um, on, but on these drugs and, but then as time went on, it got worse. Like my life, like I didn't, I didn't understand, I guess, who I was almost. And there was like this separation of I'm, yeah, I'm able to do all this stuff on the drugs, but what, what if I wasn't on these drugs? Like, would I still be able to do this? And there's just some confusion that I had. Um, and then especially with the negative side effects, um, just kind of tacking on the longer that I was on them, 
made me wonder what life would be like not on them again because I knew what it was like before and I had experienced a bunch of different things while I was on them and then I was just curious as to you know would my life be better if I wasn't it started getting to that to that question I think that's that's incredible because you were prescribed by physicians right who were saying this is what you need to take Mm-hmm. Right. And and you believe them. Most of us do. When your doctor says this is what you need, you, most of us are fairly compliant and say, OK. Yeah. Right? And, and is that some of the messaging you got growing up when you were taking these medications and prescribed them? Yeah. Like I was I didn't know what I should be doing. I listened to my doctor's pres- prescription and they were prescribing me certain medications that I, I didn't know. I was just listening to their prescription and, and what they wanted me to take. So I was taking the prescribed amount um, at the right times. And some of the medications that they were giving me were horrendous. Like it was terrible. Um, and I know that they made me feel really bad. Um, and I had to go back to my doctors and say, hey, this is not this doesn't feel good. Like, is there anything else that we can do? So they would change the type of drug and the prescribed amounts. And I would try uh, extended release versus instant release medications and just doing certain things throughout my day. But yeah, I was listening to my doctors and I just thought that that's what I needed to do. Um, but because that's what was happening, I started having issues going to sleep. Um, so I started smoking weed every day, um, to kind of handle the negative side effects, like of what was going on. Um, because my heart was racing. Mm. Um, I started to feel really jittery and like very, uh, like cracked out for <laughs> less of a better term to to say but yeah so I smoked weed to calm me down but it felt sometimes a little out of control um because I didn't know I thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing and so I was just trying to find other ways to kind of handle that and still kind of do what the doctors were telling me to do and at that time what kind of prescribed medications were you given um they first started me out with Ritalin, which was the worst. I hated that one, honestly. Um, that one was the worst. And they prescribed that one to me in the highest amount that I had ever taken before in my life. Wow, they didn't um, titrate you up. Yeah, and that's the one that they started me on was a really high dose of Ritalin. And I'm a small person. <laughs> yeah. I'm like a really small person, so I feel like my body tends to take things a little bit stronger than if that was prescribed to like a six foot, like 200 pound male. So it just felt crazy. And then they had me on all of these generic ones, mm-hmm. and I hated the way generic made me feel, but I didn't really realize that until later on, like as I had all these experiences on the medication and understanding how my body felt with different ones. 
I did not like generic. Um, then they ended up prescribing me Adderall. I tried brand name Adderall once and I was like, okay, this is the one. Um, I like this one. So I was on brand name Adderall for a while and I had to almost argue with the, uh, the pharmacies to prescribe me brand name Adderall because it was expensive. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to prescribe it to me because my insurance wouldn't cover it. Um, which was also another frustrating thing because that was the one that had the least dangerous side effects that I had experienced. And I couldn't like, and I, I was just like, whatever, I don't care. That's what I need. Give me brand name Adderall because otherwise I was having really bad side effects, um, that I was scared of. It was really scary. Um, and yeah, it was, it was terrifying on some of those medications. Yeah. And so how old were you when you first prescribed and then when did you stop taking them? Well, I was 18 when I was first prescribed. I feel like before I was 18, throughout high school, I had kind of had a feeling that I had ADD and ADHD, mm-hmm. but, and now I thank my parents for it. They didn't, they told me everything's okay. Like you don't need anything, like you're fine. Um, but once I turned 18, I was like, I'm going to go like, cause I know that I have ADD, so I'm going to go get prescribed. And so I wanted it, honestly. Um, I thought that it would help me. I wanted to see like what could happen, like if it would help me. Um, and it did for a while, it did help. Um, and so I got prescribed myself. I was on it for all of my college years. So, um, four years Mm -hmm. and then I was also on it for a year after that. Um, so I was on it for five years and kind of where I started to notice bad things or like negative things was probably around maybe a year after a year of consistently being on the medication. Um, that's when kind of like my life sort of got weird and fuzzy, um, at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. (laughs) It was just, what was happening with the weird and the fuzzy? It was like all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, because I think it was Gradual. compiling, but mm-hmm. I didn't recognize it in myself until somebody outside of me brought it to my attention. And all of these bad things that were happening, they just weren't making sense. Because um, in college, in the atmosphere too, like I'm drinking, i gonna be honest, I was drinking like at least four times a week. Um, and like heavy drinking, like going out Mm -hmm. and just in that environment too, there's a lot of other stuff that kind of comes along, but, um, so I was drinking on the medication 
which I'm not, I don't think you're supposed to be doing. I'm pretty sure there's a warning about that. Probably. Of course, I didn't, you know, everyone was doing it. And even, well, I can't say everyone was doing it, but people that were on the medication were still drinking. Um, like there were a lot of people around me taking it that were also drinking. And there are people that weren't taking it as prescribed um, that would take it as a stimulant before going out too. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I did that as well. So we were purposefully like combining the two. Um, but there would be times when I wouldn't, I would have like a blackout spell, um, and a night going out where I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember at all. And I don't think that I, I mean, I really don't remember at this point because a lot of it is fuzzy. I try to like, it was like bad things that I try to like leave behind me and like leave in the past. So kind of uncovering them. I just have like really vague memories in my, in my mind. And then my friends would tell me the next day that, you know, Hey, um, I don't know if you remember this, but you did this last night or you said this last night. And it would be like, they would tell me I would have like insane, like strange bouts of aggression toward like my best friends. And that's just completely out of character with who I am as a person and who I've always been. I, it, it takes a really, it takes a lot for me to have aggression and rage. I just don't believe personally that that is an energy that is useful in any way Um, maybe unless I was fighting for my life but yeah so hearing that and like things that I would do to my friends like and I wouldn't even remember and I would have no sense of of what happened um and mine that was combined with alcohol too so just kind of abusing in both ways um but then there was like other There was another time when combined with um, weed, actually, and I wasn't really sure what this was. At first, I thought it was um, a laced situation, but now I believe it was a combination of the two. And especially with the influence of the amphetamines is um, I had a, um, a moment of psychosis and it lasted... I have no, I had no really concept of time um, when it was going on because I just remember like hearing things and thinking that something was happening that wasn't actually happening. Um, And I was like, honestly started like foaming a little bit. It was really, it was probably one of the scariest moments because I didn't know what was going on. But in that moment in time, what I knew to be true was what whatever was happening to me in that situation. Um, I went back to my roommate because I, when that was all happening, I thought she was mad at me for something that I did. And I went back and I was kind of scared to ask. I was like, are you still mad at me? Like, were you yelling at me in the hallway? And she was like, no, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, um, so ever since then, it was kind of scary too, because weed smoking, the weed was something that felt like was helping me while I was on the medication. 
But then at that point, it felt like it was, I didn't know if that's what was harming me or what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading about reading about the medication too, I know that that was, that's like a possible thing that can happen. Um, and then, you know, everything just kind of started, like more and more events were taking place. Um, I went back to my doctor, one of my primary care physicians, um, one spring break, like I would get all my doctor's appointment visits in. And he was kind of asking me how life was going. And, you know, I'm always honest on my surveys. So I was like, oh, I'm drinking this much per week and like all this stuff. And how are you feeling? What's your mood? And um, I was talking to him and he was like, you're depressed. Like you have depression. Like it's so clear to see. And for me, I had no idea that was the first time I had ever heard that or had experienced any sort of like depressed mood and I remember when he told me that I was just like all these connections kind of started to take place in my mind like oh this makes sense like I haven't been feeling like myself I haven't I've just been so confused about who I was, what was happening, why are all these things taking place? They never happened before. And everything just kind of started linking back. I was like, what's the common denominator here? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was doing like different substances, but everything started to kind of narrow down to the prescription medication that I was on the amphetamines. So at that point, you know, he wanted to prescribe me um, antidepressants as well. Um, But I was very aware of the negative side effects of the prescription that I was already on. And taking another prescription, you know, I kind of remember um, as a kid looking in my my Grammy's medicine cabinet Mm -hmm. and she had all of these pills, all these pill containers in her medicine cabinet. And when my doctor told me that he wanted to prescribe me antidepressants, I kind of had like that image in my head of, Oh, it's starting. Like this is number two. This is the next prescription that they're going to put me on. And then, And then what, like, are they going to prescribe me another one? And then I'm just going to have all of these pill bottles and medications that I have to take every day just to kind of like slap the bandaid on another symptom that developed from the original prescription that I started. So, um, I, at that moment I was like, you know what? No, I am going to before you prescribe me anything, please let me try to kind of settle this for myself. Um, so I kind of made the decision that day. I was like, I I don't think I want to do that. Um, I want to try to heal on my own and see if I can fix this issue by myself. How did you get to that point? Was it that image of your grandmother that kind of startled you into thinking differently or? 
I think it was a combination of like information that I've heard over time, um, a feeling in myself that I've just always kind of liked being more natural. Mm-hmm. I think that that also this situation also really developed that over time. So I'm trying to think of kind of where I was like at that point. I I think I'd always been someone who likes to look outside the box, I guess, to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I had always kind of have been aware of myself and who I am at a young age. Um, and I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was just a combination of everything. And I remember hearing in my, uh, I studied exercise science. So I was a kinesiology major and a lot of ideas that I had heard had come from my classes and they tried to expose us to um, different ways of healing and something that I always thought that always like kind of stuck in my head. Um, in a couple of my classes, I took a philosophy of um, like medicine and sport and they gave us different examples of ways that a practitioner could treat someone with a particular ailment or illness and one that always stuck out in my mind was um if someone needs to be moving more in their life maybe recommend that they get a dog or something so they have to take care of something um it gives them more purpose they have to walk around outside it's like a it's an enjoyable way to bring more movement into your life And I thought that was really cool. And then in one of my sports psych classes, they talked about how with depression, how movement is medicine in the way that it can significantly decrease the symptoms of depression with even just like a single bout of exercise, like an acute bout of exercise. And then they talked about chronic exercise and how chronic exercise has an even greater impact because all of those things are compiling over time. And I remembered that from my, from my psych class because I took that class before my doctor was like, hey, you have depression. So even that stuck in my mind and what they drilled to us in school was that um, movement is medicine. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try movement first. Mm -hmm. I want to try movement before I try any other medicine and see if that can really help me. So I think that was another really big factor. So when you refused to do the antidepressants and did you, did you stop the ADHD meds too at that point? At that point, Um, no, I didn't. I, I didn't feel strong enough to go off of the medication because I understood kind of how, what my behavior was before I started taking them. 
um, I was, I was failing. I was about to fail out of school, honestly, uh, my freshman year. And I wasn't about to do that. Um, I had goals and ambitions. And so I was kind of relying on the medication. Once I started taking the medication, it really did help me. Um, but then the negative side effects were just so much worse than I ever could have imagined um, happening, especially over a long period of time. And so I didn't feel strong enough. I, I was kind of relying on them, um, but I knew that that was the thing. So it was kind of painful, like psychologically painful in a way to still be on the medication, even knowing like, I want to get off of these. Kind of push still, yeah. I was still on them for two to three years after that point in time when I had known, like, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that this is the thing that is the cause of my problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's almost like I had to be so sure. Um, mm -hmm. it's like, I had to make that decision for myself and it took me a long time. It took me five years to then eventually be like, no, um, I'm strong enough now. I don't need these anymore. How did you realize you were strong enough? I think I felt, I felt stronger in the other areas of my life where I understood more kind of what, what made me happy and trying to do more of those things in my life. And, and one of the main things being exercise and movement. So I was doing that a lot. And I feel like I had a better understanding for how my body would react in different ways, introducing something new, um, kind of without even fully being aware of it. Cause I'm like definitely more aware of it now, but kind of just naturally feeling out my environment. Um, cause I was in a new place. I was living in New York city at that time too, when I was still on them. And the environment there was very aggressive. Stimulating. Yeah. Right. yeah. I was working like 55, give or take hours a week. Um, and so I was still taking them at that time because I was like, I still feel, felt like I needed them. But eventually at one point I was just like, I got to do something about this. Like I, I, I just had had enough and I'd seen my friends, some of my friends still kind of abusing it. Um, and also them still using it. And I still had negative side effects going on, not as bad because I was managing more with the exercise, mm -hmm. but yeah, I was just trying to reduce, um, at that point I had done more studying and I wanted to reduce the amount of harm that I was doing to my body. And I knew that that was a really big one. Right. And I was like, I'm just going to manage with caffeine. <laughs> At that point, I was like, I'll, I'd rather drink a ton of coffee mm -hmm. and, you know, spend more money on a planner than I, I was spending over 200, maybe $300 a month on medication. And I was like, I'd rather shift and take that money and use it to improve my life and just figure out a better way um, to do it and see what happens. And how's that been? 
How has that been for you? Oh, um, since then, let's see, it's been, I think I quit in the beginning of 2019. So does that make sense? Yes. But it almost seems like longer. So I guess it's been three and a half years or a little over three and a half years since I stopped. And it's been, <laughs> it's been honestly amazing. It was one of the best decisions I had ever made. And I just feel over that three and a half years, I've gotten closer with myself and I understand who I am just in my natural state because I'm not on any prescription medication. So kind of what I am now is just who I am as a person. So it's really nice to be able to understand and like kind of get back to that feeling that I had before I was on the medication. And it took a little bit of time to sure. finally get myself and start feeling like myself again. But it's been amazing being off of it. I think that's great. And you also got over some other things too, like over the counter. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. So one of the ways that I would be coping with the side effects, because one of the major side effects for the amphetamines is uh, rapid heart, um, rapid heart rate and um, insomnia, essentially not being able to sleep um, because your body's just kind of going at yeah. and like fight or flight all the time. Um, the weed that I was doing every day, there was like not a single day where I wasn't um, smoking weed. And, and then I discovered CBD as well. And CBD was great because that really just like mellowed me out and like kind of brought me back to a chill. But the weed that I was getting was like from the street. Like I didn't know what kind of weed it was. So with like sativa or indica strains, like sometimes you just don't know um, what it is. And then it can either, it just like doesn't really help you sleep. So something that we would do in college would, uh, we would have NyQuil in our backpack. And we would take that at the library kind of like when we were packing up. And, um, then, so then by the time that I would walk home, I would be able to fall asleep, um, and get that, like, you know, just be able to kind of rest. Um, so I was taking NyQuil a lot and then I was like, mm, I'm not sick. Like I don't have like cold or flu symptoms. So maybe I shouldn't take NyQuil. So I started taking ZQuil. And that, like, in my mind was better. So I was taking z every night, basically, um, besides the nights that I would, like, the weekends and, like, going out and stuff. Basically just, like, the weeknights to help me go to bed. Um, but that kind of high started to be, like, satisfying. It was weird. Um, I would take it and, like, stay up at night even just to like watch TV. Um, and it was almost like that, like fighting the drowsiness, like 
once you got past a certain point, it was almost like very, it was like a weird, like different kind of feeling that was good. So I would be taking that drowsy medication and not even be sleeping. Um, and then, so when I started doing that and I, and then I was like, well, this isn't really, I'm not taking it for the reason that I originally did. So it's not helping me sleep. And then I looked at the back of the box and it was like, don't take after a week or like call the doctor. So I was like, Oh, I probably should stop. I had been taking that for like a month. Mm -hmm. Um, that was just like a regular thing that I was like picking up from the grocery store. And, um, and so then after that, I started taking melatonin. So I was like, Oh, this seems to be like more natural. Um, and, you know, I knew other people that were taking melatonin too. So I made melatonin a regular part of my, um, supplements and, but then it got to a point where I was taking like two or three melatonins, um, each night. And then that wasn't really working. And I started seeing really bad side effects from that too, like mood swings and it just it was weird. I just felt off and there was a lot of other things going on too. So I was like, let me just remove that. Um, luckily I stopped doing that because I mean, I know your body makes melatonin naturally, but part of me was like, if I keep taking the melatonin, will my body rely on it and not be able to make it itself? I just like, didn't have a great understanding of it. Um, but yeah, I, I cycled through like several things to help me get some rest, but I didn't want to go to the doctor and have them prescribe me a sleeping pill. So I just figured I'd kind of step away from all of that and just figure it out. Just kind of keep smoking the weed and just, I don't know. But yeah, I went through those. And where has it taken you now? all of this experience through college and where does this take you now? Yeah. I, I throughout everything, even though I went through all of the negative experiences that I had, I have a great appreciation for everything that I've been through because it's gotten me to the point where I'm at now. And I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at now without have going through all of this and learning from all of these experiences. So even though, you know, sometimes I think like if I could have gone back in time and decided to not get prescribed medication, I mean, to me, there's just no, there's no point in, in asking that question because it's what I did and it's what I wanted at that time. Sure. And so I totally own every decision that I've made kind of throughout the entire, over the, just my entire experience over the years, I I'm owning it all. Um, because it's gotten given me this, like, I look at it as like a gift mm. of this like understanding of, this is, you had to go through all of that to experience, to experience life in the eyes that I have now. 
And so for me, I try to be really honest about my experience because I feel that I was silently suffering. Like, I don't really know if my friends around me understood kind of what I was going through um, because a lot of it felt like I was alone. Um, like nobody really understood what I was going through. Uh, I didn't really know of anyone around me that was having the same feelings toward their medication. And so it was tough. Um, and a lot was learned going through it by myself, but sharing what I've been through, I feel like can help so many people because there, like I said, like could be silently suffering or not really recognizing that just following a prescription protocol from your doctor, how much harm it can cause um, your body and just being reliant on those medications without even knowing. And it doesn't really solve like the root of the problem that you're having. It's just a substance or something that's kind of hiding like a crutch that you're leaning on to to cope with or ignore like the thing in your life that you really need to confront and that you really need to look at and kind of be at peace with so so you have arrived from this one woman in college that was reliant and just trying to figure out kind of what you need to do to feel fucking better yeah. right and you were actually a very compliant client as they would say because you were trying to take things as prescribed and sure college we all do kind of different things partying all of that um and now you are doing what in your life yeah so now i i mean i'm trying to it's put me in this spiral of trying to be healthy and being healthy, I am a healthy person in the best ways that I can and exploring different things that make me feel good and just really living away from all that crap. Like that experience has opened my eyes so much to just pharmaceuticals in general and I think that there's a, a place for them, like a time and place for those. And I think that they can be helpful for a period of time, but ultimately as humans, we've survived and thrived without these medications for years. And there's just so many other ways and natural remedies and things that we can do to just bring more joy into our life where we won't have the problems that we're having. Um, I mean, it, it's easier said than done. And I know that's like a very simplified answer of solving of the ADHD problem that I had, but, and I'm still coping through it every day. I'm still learning how I act and with my environment and with the foods that I eat, like I'm still learning how the best way I can move forward with all of this, um, and still being productive in my everyday life. But at the end of the day, I don't really think that we need any of that stuff. 
-hmm. there's ways to live without it because I've, I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm living without it and I don't need it. And I don't feel the need at all to take it ever. That's amazing. I mean, nobody can see this, but you're smiling like brightly. Um, So how would you describe your relationship with addiction today? I'm all these experiences have made me even more aware of my addictive tendencies because even as a kid with playing games and I don't know gravitating towards certain things and um even now like uh I love gambling like I think gambling is really fun (laughs) but I kind of understand my boundaries with it um Luckily, I don't live near a casino or like in Vegas or anything, because if I'm put in that environment, I might have a different problem. So I guess that's also part of it is understanding my boundaries in the environments that I'm in. If it's a trigger or if I start feeling a certain way, like, you know, like that itch, like I think I want it. I think I, you know, those feelings because, um, I went through um, also vaping um, as well. And I so it's very real with that, um, kind of recycling through the steps of change um, when it comes to quitting nicotine is very, um, that's just a completely different story. But I have gone through that after I quit the, the amphetamines, so I'm very aware that sometimes I'll jump to kind of a new vice Mm -hmm. and just trying to understand whether the boundaries that I have on that are healthy or not. And just understanding if it starts to affect me in a negative way, like if I see a decrease in my energy levels or performance or just feelings overall, then I kind of know like, okay, this, I might be having too much of this in my life or um, all of that stuff. Right now, (laughs) this might sound kind of funny, but I am recognizing um, with peanut butter. I know that sounds ridiculous, but there is a specific peanut butter, but it's getting to a point where um, I was, I, this is very recently too, over the past few weeks, I like, um, a jar of peanut butter a week. <laughs> wow. I mean, like that's the worry that I'm having now, but that can also, you know, I started to see harmful side effects with the peanut butter. This is just like a, mm-hmm. just a very simple example. So now I'm honestly starting to dial back how much peanut butter I'm eating because I mean, it, everybody's different, but for me now it's just, you know, finding those healthy boundaries with, whatever it is in my life, because it's like, if, if I'm doing too much of this thing, like eating too much peanut butter, maybe there's an emotional situation I need to look at. Um, that's, that's actually the, the cause of why I'm going for that thing or, um, reaching for whatever it is. Um, maybe I need to understand Maybe there's other stressors in my life that I need to look at that are the cause of me 
wanting to go for this. Right, distractions, but, right? Yeah, as a distraction of that thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because you also did gaming too. Is that right? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> maybe it wasn't like gaming. I joke and call myself a gamer. My friends <laughs> would probably laugh, but I was actually addicted to Candy Crush. That, um, that was very stimulating for me. Um, I would sit on my phone for hours, like glued to the screen being like, Oh, I'll stop. And it's, it's what they add in there too. That really gets me that they'll give you gifts. Like here's 30 minutes a of reward, another reward, yeah, dopamine, 30 minutes of free, free play. So it doesn't matter. Like, so then I'd be like, Oh, I'll just play for 30 minutes. And then they'll give me more lice and they'll give me more time and they'll give me all these bonuses. And then in my brain, I'm like, oh, I can't waste these. Like I have to keep playing. Like I can reach so many higher levels. Like, mm -hmm. and then three, four hours go by and I'm like, Oh, none of my homework got done. Like I'm not taking care of myself. Like now I'm just so zoned in on this. Like it just became so unhealthy. And I know it sounds like ridiculous, but like. I think it's it more common. I was doing that every day. Yeah. And it cycled through different games too. Like words with friends. I know now like word games are kind of like my kryptonite too. Like I just don't even download the apps anymore because it gets to a point where it like I'm not it, it has no <laughs> real like benefit to my life um there's so many other things that I can be excited about right um, but just channeling that energy into a healthier direction and with that healthier direction you mentioned movement as medicine which has really stuck with you and you shared a little bit why that was so striking how does that fit in to your life now and what you do and help others yes i fitness and movement and strength just strength exercises and and all that stuff that was the thing i would say if i had to like basically pin it down to the catalyst of all of these great things in my life would be fitness. Um, it helped with my depression symptoms. It helped elevate my mood with all of that, pull me out of that. It was a healthy way to kind of relieve like my anxiety that I've noticed because that was anxiety has also been very present um, as a side effect with the amphetamines and and even now just with life in general I think we all experience that mm -hmm. so fitness was always that thing for me that I was able to go back to and have that be a positive thing in my life um, I know that there's also negative fitness addictions and right. i'm very aware of that too um i've gone through times where i would be training every single day and i think that the relationship that i had there was more of a a negative relationship with my self-image and with food 
more than it was with fitness. And it was like, I would be using fitness as a, as a, like it was the answer to my self image problems and my food problems and stuff. But my relationship with fitness now is very much for like the benefit, like, especially for survival. Sometimes I think like if I was, you know, if I had to be at a point where like an apocalyptic moment or something Mm -hmm. where I can be strong to like take care of myself. There's just like, I don't know. I love how that translates and just being strong. Mm -hmm. And it was a way that I could see my body change and progress over time in terms of strength and that feeling. I was getting a lot of confidence from movement and it might've started, you know, of course there's like a combination of, I guess, in terms of motivation, if you're going like internal motivation versus external motivation, a lot of times fitness starts with that external motivation. And for me, it was a kind of a combination of both because I did have an understanding of the benefits that could come from the inside sure but it didn't really start to become an internal motivation for me until over a period of time when i would go bouts without exercising and those depressive symptoms and anxious symptoms would start to like really Mm -hmm. come back and like pack on and then i would recognize oh i felt so much better when i was moving Mm -hmm. so then i would start moving again and start moving my body and it just now I make a point, like, it's so important for me to have that. It's like one of my top priorities is having movement. And I really try to emphasize that with my clients as well, um, especially when it comes to other health problems and, and all that stuff, because movement increases circulation. Um, it brings about ener- like extra energy and there's just so many benefits to to all of it. Um, it's just so good for your health overall. So always trying to add that in. And really at this point, it, it has become a way for me to survive, actually, because mm-hmm. it helps me not just survive, but just feel the best that I can be. And I always just feel amazing after moving my body i think that's that's amazing because what you actually do for a living is a holistic strength and conditioning coach and that arrived because of your own experience is that how this began yeah i i'd always been fascinated by the human body and just how everything works i was just in awe it's like to me, it's basically a miracle. Like this is amazing how our bodies are able to heal themselves, especially that's like what I'm so um, excited about is, is the healing aspect that our bodies have. But really it started with just this fascination of how everything works together. Like what goes on inside? I was just very curious, like Mm -hmm. how does this work? So that's when I started to I studied that in school right? and um, I went to Penn State. So it was very athletic school Mm -hmm. and there was lots going on. And um, 
I always love the aspect of sport too and how our bodies move for sport because athletes have incredible abilities to move their bodies and basically in superhuman ways Right. Um, in terms of like if you're basing versus like general population, it's incredible what athletes are able to do. So I was really fascinated with athletes and that side of injury prevention as well. So you're able to prevent injuries if you strengthen your bodies or you strengthen your body and you move your body in the right way, you can prevent injuries from taking place, which I thought was incredible. And I still do. I think that's amazing. So I started to study, I I went through all these different um, ways and uh, with the clinical side of things, I, I thought it was also amazing and how you can heal your body that way. But I was really fascinated with how can we prevent any of this from taking place or even just building up that strength in different ways. So then that way you're less susceptible to illness and injury. So it's kind of developed into that over time and, and movement and fitness was a way for me to kind of get into the door in that. And that's the, the best way that I know to for myself. Well, that's great. How do people reach you? So I can be found on Instagram. That's probably my primary mode of social media. So I'm on there as Emily Nader Fit. Um, and all of my links are hooked up through there. Um, I can also, like my website is emilynaderfit.com. So um, I'm hooked up through there as well. Um, but yeah, I have my links all in my Instagram bio. That's really where the, probably the best place to reach me. Wonderful. One last question. If someone's listening who was, is prescribed a lot of medication, and as you know, Ritalin um, has been highly prescribed, and some would even say overprescribed, and questioning whether they should do it or not, because um, you had a lot of instincts coming up for you and trusting your gut and being curious and like, shit, I wonder if I would feel better not doing that. What would you share with some folks who are kind of in that contemplative place? Yeah. I've actually had people come to me for advice, um, specifically with the amphetamines too. And just good friends of mine too, that are curious as to how they might feel without medication that they've been prescribed. And one of the things that I, I always lean back on and, or not really even lean back on it should be the first thing that you think of is, you know, you are the only person that understands your experience and what you're feeling inside and with your surroundings. So you know, what's best for yourself. And if you even get a slight idea or hint that, you know, maybe, maybe life could be better without these or just being curious, what, what could life be like without it? Then that is like that hint. And maybe that little nudge of your gut instinct saying, Hey, this could be something that you might should like, you should maybe take action on. 
um, maybe maybe try it or explore the idea a little bit more. But I always tell people, you know, you know your body best and your body does have the ability to heal itself. And we just have to kind of let it do its thing. So it can get you to feeling the best way that it can. And that that's really, it, it, sometimes it's hard to get in tune with that part of you. Sure. So it comes with a lot of awareness and training yourself and just understanding yourself and what makes you feel good and what makes you feel bad. And, and just knowing that that's the thing that makes me feel bad and just having the strength to, and the faith and knowing that you're in yourself, I can do this. I can heal on my own. I will find a way to feel better because I know that it's good for me. And it's possible. Yeah. And that it is possible. Cause you're living proof. Yes. People are doing it. <laughs> you're doing it. It happens. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting. You can find my podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.